Amen. Amen. God is good, isn't he? He is so good. I am excited this morning. I see a few people I haven't seen in a little bit that are here today, and I'm excited about that. Um, it's really good. Uh, I, I know last week I, I went a long time talking about uh, the last message of our uh, works doing what Jesus did. I want to make sure that I say this now, guys, if uh, for I, I don't know how long, just keep going back through those messages again and again. There's seven of them. Number three is not there right now. I got to do it. It's, it's on me to redo. But uh, go back and listen to those over and over again. Amen. Go, go back and listen to those over and over again. Amen. 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 All right. Because the thing about it is, is listen, as a as a pastor, go to go to John 10, 10. Let me say this real quick. I was going to start in Mark, but since you guys didn't respond, I better go to John 10 first. John 10, the, the, the whole thing is talking about Jesus being the good shepherd. Him being the tender of the sheep, the one who's watching for their souls, protecting them, leading them in the proper t- direction. Let me, let me show you this in 10, 10 and 11. It says this, uh, the thief cometh not. The thief, who's the thief? Does anybody know who the thief is? The devil. He cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy And Jesus says this, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Then he tells you who he is. Eleven, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for a sheep. I want you to understand that Jesus is the good shepherd. I I, I just want to talk about this for just a second. But he's given us as as pastors elders, deacons, he's given us the responsibility of being his under shepherds, right? It's more like a bellwether. It's the, it's the sheep that stays close to the shepherd. Okay. And he stays close to the shepherd because he's there because he's learning and he's paying attention to what the shepherd is doing. And my responsibility as your pastor is to protect you, right? To lead you, right? To share the word with you. But can I tell you something? It's to give that word to you over and over and over and over again until it sticks. Until we start to see it manifest in your life in such a way that you're walking out the word that you have been given. Amen. I was uh, I, I was thinking about this, that you have to understand there, there, there are several things that we need to talk about before I even get into the message today. But I'm going to watch the time because I want us to take communion today. OK, and it's only because I want us to take communion that I'm watching the time, not because I don't mind being long because I don't mind being long. OK, but I want to say this about it is it, 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 something that's very crucial that in teaching you this, you have to understand that there is a thief, an adversary who is against you to steal the word that has been sent to you. So every time pastor preaches to you, every time you read your Bibles, every time you spend time hearing the word, there is a thief that comes immediately to steal. That's what we just saw. He comes to steal to kill and to destroy. Now, what is your responsibility? Going back to some of those messages, I don't want to go back over them again. You guys go study and listen to them. But you have been given spiritual armor. Amen. 
You've been given spiritual armor. And in being given the spiritual armor, you've got to learn how to put it on, keep it on and use it, operate in it. One of those pieces that I want to say to you, and it's my responsibility to continue to help you with this, is your sword. Now, one thing I I love about the word sword is that it looks like it's a sword. Right. Doesn't it look like that? It's S and then word. Right. And he tells you that the sword of the spirit in in Ephesians, I don't have time to go back to it because I got to get somewhere. But he tells you in Ephesians that the sword of of the spirit is the word. Now, it's funny that he uses that it's a sword and he tells you that the sword is the word and the way that you spell sword is S word. Because he's trying to get something to you to understand that you have to be operating in spiritual word in order to be able to protect yourself and to go on the attack against what the enemy tries to steal, kill and destroy. But so many of us, we operate in word, but natural word. So the first thing that happens when things happen in our lives, we immediately go to negative. We begin to speak the problem. The words that come out of our mouth are words of the problem. But you got to remember this. You've been created in God's image and the way that God did everything. Could you remember this in the beginning or let's say in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Earth was without form of void. And then he went over to do something. And God said, God said, God said, and he's created us in his image. So if God said and created, then what do we do? We say and create. You with me? Am I going too fast for you? This is stuff you should know, class. But if you don't, that's okay. That's why we got these, these podcasts. Go back and listen to them. That's what pastors talk those things out. But if we're created in this image and we're supposed to be doing that. So when we begin to speak the problem, we're creating the problem. We're helping develop the problem. The problem is just surface. Let me tell you this. Remember, the the when you speak, you have a choice that you either speak naturally, which most of the time will be your problem. Or you speak S-word, spiritual word, and it is your salvation. You're either speaking the problem and you're agreeing with what the devil has, right? What he's told you, or you're agreeing with what God has said. You've got a choice. And as your pastor, it is my responsibility to keep on giving you the S-word. That sounds crazy because that might be a bad word. No, sword. Spiritual word, let me say it that way, spiritual word that I'm supposed to be giving that to you so that when you come into what did Al say this morning, y'all remember what she read this morning, James one, when you fall into count it all joy, when you fall into diverse trials, testings. Right. Can I tell you something? Everybody in here going to fall into a trial, a test. You're going to be tried. You're going to be tested Every single day because you have an adversary and how you respond, whether you count it joy because you're lining up with what God said. Guess what? God said that I should count it all joy when I fall into diverse testings and trials because he said that know that the triangle of my faith develops patience. And if you've been here any length of time, you'll understand that the word patience means consistency. 
so that when everything comes against me, I don't begin to go over here and speak the problem, then come back over here and speak life, then go back over here and speak the problem, then go back over here and speak life. That's not consistency. But what I will do is I'll consistently speak God's word. And if I consistently speak God's word, but if we let patience or consistency have its perfect work. So I plant the seed. I give the seed a chance to work in the ground. It grows up into the harvest that I've been looking for. And I get the fruit that I've been looking for. That's consistency having her perfect work that I may be both uh, perfect and entire lacking no good thing. That's nothing. No thing. See, that's the key. And it's my job as your pastor to keep hammering this to you. So when you hear me talk about the same verses again and again, it's not because pastor don't know nothing else. Okay, It's simply because the spirit of God has shown me that you didn't get what I talked about the last time. And, And it's something that's crucial for your tomorrow. Do you understand that? So I'm on guard for you to protect you. To develop you, to help you grow. Now, listen, Jesus is the good shepherd. He's the good shepherd. He's the one who reveals to me or as we learn, he's going to be the one that the Holy Spirit is going to reveal to me about. So that's what I want to really talk about today. I'm going to scratch through section two. It's just more review. Let's get on over to John chapter 14. I do want to say this, though. Most of you, the battlefield for your life is going to happen only up here. You're going to be challenged in your mind. Listen, you're going to have a situation that arises and in your mind immediately you're going to see all the negative outcomes. And you're going to wrestle with all the negative outcomes that are there. And that's going to be your challenge to not open your mouth while you're in the negative outcomes. But to get over here, that's why the first thing What's the first thing that Jesus came preaching. Come on, somebody, man, I don't have my prize for you today. Anybody know the first thing he came preaching? Come on, man. Somebody got to know this. What? The kingdom of God is at hand. Do what? Repent. Now, that word repent, for those of you who are new, you may be saying like, oh, man, he going in the print. We got to get on our knees and start crying. It's not got to run down our face. That's not what we're talking about. OK, the word repentance simply means to change how I think. I've got to start changing how I think. Right. So when the adversary comes up against me and he shows me all the negative outcomes, I can say, wait a minute. No weapon that is formed against me shall be able to prosper. That's what God's word said. And he says, I know this because I made the person who made the weapon. Right. I got control over the ones who making the weapon. So, of course, it's not going to be able to prosper against you. But he never said that the weapon wouldn't be formed. He just said it wouldn't prosper. And so I have to change how I think about everything that comes my way. I have to change how I think about uh, uh, every situation when I have financial need. Instead of me looking to rob Peter to pay Paul. Which is only going to put me in another situation where I'm still going to owe Peter. But I'm going to owe Peter with interest. Right? Instead of learning to do that, I'm going to change how I think to say, God, you supply all my need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I'm going to declare that 
But you said something prior to that. The only reason you said that to the people is because they were givers. So I got to be willing to give so I can own what he said. So I'm going to do what he said and I'm going to stand in faith. That that's the case. Are y'all with me? Am I boring you? Okay, I just want to make sure. Okay. So I wanted to say change how you think. Now, the reason why pastor added change how you think, because we're going to talk about someone who most people, when they hear who he is, they run. They have a misnomer of who he is. And so when we begin to talk about him, they become tense. So everybody do like this. Let me get ready for what he about to say. Whoo. Then everybody get your face straight so you can look straight ahead. So I, you won't know. I won't know that it's you that's nervous. Come on, get ready. We're going to talk about Holy Spirit. Amen. So in talking about Holy Spirit, we've got to understand certain things. Now, remember, Jesus is the good shepherd. We got to change how we think so that we can receive this good shepherd and all that he's given to us. Now, let's go to John chapter 14. And we're going to start in verse 16. This comes on the heels of Jesus talking about getting set to go. He said, I'm the way, the truth and the life. I'm getting ready to go prepare a place for you. I'm leaving. Okay. I'm getting ready to ditch you guys. It's okay. He's just saying, amen. I love it. Okay. He's getting ready to go and prepare a place. But the problem is, listen, for three and a half years, their whole time, these guys who are sitting in this room that he's talking to, the people that he's communicating with for three and a half years, all they have known of their faith has been wrapped up in the man. Let me make sure I say that the man, Jesus. So everything that they've learned, everything that has been demonstrated, everything that they have seen is wrapped up in the man, Jesus, because what they saw before from the Pharisees, none of them wanted. That's why the fishermen were out handling fish and the the tax collectors were out cheating folks. They said, I can make my own instead of going out here and getting what you got and losing everything I got. I'm just going to worry about me. And so what they had seen of religion, they didn't want And what they saw that they loved was getting ready and telling them, I'm leaving you. So get ready. I'm disappearing. I'm going away. I've got to die. I've got to go away so that I can prepare all the other things that I have for you. So in this three and a half years, you've seen some, but I've got a lot more to show you. I've got a lot more for you. So I've got to go. And here we are at the heels of that. 15, he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. But 16 is when he says this. And I will pray. The father. And he will give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, that word, even I should say, take get rid of that. You guys are like, that's heresies, getting rid of words in the Bible. No, it's in italics. That means that the translator, it wasn't there. The translator just said that makes more sense. It doesn't. It actually takes away when you say even, even, no, the spirit of truth. Okay. Whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not. 
This will tell you whether or not you let me let me pause right quick. That statement right there tells whether or not you in the world or you in spirit, how you deal with Holy Spirit. Because the world can't receive him just because they can't see him. And he says this. Neither knoweth him, but ye know him for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. So how does this happen? Oh, man, come on. Let me finish reading. Come on. Let me just finish reading. Then I'll talk about I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you yet a little while and the world seeth me no more. But ye shall see me because I live. Ye shall live also. Let me stop there for just a second. Let's talk. There's so much that Jesus is saying in these scriptures and these few verses that are, are, are paramount to our ability to receive the Holy Spirit. Our ability to understand who he is and our ability to operate in what he has. So let's begin. I will pray the father. And he shall say, give you what is that? What's the next word? And he shall give you what? And he shall give away. Now, see, see, you missed the word. No, no, you missed it. Another. Wait a minute. He said another. Wait a minute. Wait, wait. He said another. He said another. Did he say another? Really? Okay. He said another. Well, who was the first comforter? Who? Jesus. See, the word comforter, the only thing that we think about, listen, if your Bible says helper, that is one of the definitions. That's true. So the word that they're getting that that came out as comforter is paracletus. Okay. now the only definition that most pastors will give you is helper. And when you only get that definition, then it seems like, hey, if I don't need any help, I don't need him. But you got to listen to all the definitions. Let me give you Parakletos is this helper. But listen at this one who pleads for you. A proxy or stand in. And this is for Jesus, a legal Advisor, I love that. We're going to talk about that in a minute. An advocate, one who comes forward on behalf of another. Hear that again. One who comes forward on behalf of another, another of equal quality. You still missed it. Because if you got it, you'd be shouting right now. Because, okay, 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 let me give it to you again. All right, good, 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 good. I left. uh, Which part did I leave off? Legal advisor. Advocate. One who comes forward on behalf of another. Another. Of equal. I love that. Equal quality. Now, Jesus says, I'm leaving, but I'm not leaving you without another of equal quality. Now, many of us say, man, if I was with the, if I was one of the disciples and I was with Jesus, everything would be good. But the problem is he left you with one who is of equal quality. 
Holy Spirit is in just the same position as Jesus was. But Jesus was one man who had to be in one place at one time. But Paracletos is not limited by natural. So he's able to be all places at all times to be there for you when you at work, to be there for you when you at your different work, to be there for you when you at your work, to be there for you when you at your different work. To have Jesus with you at all times. One of an equal quality. It's so important that we understand this about Holy Spirit. Because then it begins to make him more important. Because before most of us only think Holy Spirit. And we go, ooh, that's who it is. It has nothing to do with that. Holy Spirit is person. He is a person, just not in a natural body. Remember, what did we talk about last week? God, that we are spirits, we have souls, and we live inside these bodies. But these bodies decay, our spirits are eternal. Holy Spirit just stays in the eternal. Amen? And so here it is that he is one of equal quality that I want you to get. I'm going to keep harping that he is another of equal. He is equal to. He is equal to. He is equal to Jesus. Some of you might think that's heresy because you never heard that before. I ain't making it up. I'm just reading the book. I'm just reading the book. Okay, that's it. But I love this piece now because this this next piece that I want you to get about this is, is that do you remember when Jesus and I I don't have time to go back to Matthew 26. But if you go to Matthew 26, you'll see where Jesus was getting set to go to the cross and he does this. He does something that we're going to do. He sits down with the disciples and they sit across a table. And they're at this table. And remember, the table that they're sitting at, I love this. The first time that we ever see the table that he's sitting at, the type of uh, ceremony that he's going through is when the children of Israel were leaving Egypt and the death angel was coming to take the firstborn. What you talking about, Willis? (laughs) Pam was looking at me like, what? Oh, oh, she don't like she don't like the firstborn because that's her. But no, no, no. Death angel, we got the blood on the post. We got the blood on the post. And we see this ceremony taking place, but it was supposed to be done amongst family. I love that Jesus is sitting down with his disciples. They're not his, they're not his servants. They're not his, his uh, uh, workers. They're his family. And he's sitting with them at this table and he begins to go through a ceremony that they had done every year of their lives. But this time he says, hey, let me pour out this cup here. As I'm pouring out this cup, I want you to drink it. Because this cup right here represents a new covenant. It's, it's, it's showing you a new, a new covenant that I'm giving to you. This new covenant I'm giving to you is different than the old one. The old one was based on your merits. This new one is based on mine. Drink it. Now, in this new one, it comes with new thoughts. 
and new thoughts of of who the, of, of operating, not naturally, but kingdom wise. So in this new covenant, I hate to say it like a contract because because a, a covenant is not a contract, but that's maybe the only way your minds can think of it. And it's a thick covenant. It's a covenant that gives you a lot of promises, a lot of a lot of clauses that are wonderful for you. They go in your favor. And he leaves them this and then he tells us that he gives us the Paracletus for this. We were just reading that. I'm I'm getting somewhere. What did the Paracletus, what was one of the definitions of the Paracletus that had to do with legal? He gave us legal and a legal advisor to help us navigate this new covenant. This new contract that he's given to us that we don't understand because can I tell you something? So often we're only in the old covenant where if I do something bad, I feel guilty. I feel shameful. I hide from God just like Adam did when he ate of the fruit and he ran and he hid. I do the same thing because I'm stuck in an old covenant and I don't understand this new one when I've got a legal advisor, legal counsel right there with me to just say, hey, 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 can you help me understand this clause? And he is there to do that so that I can be free because whom the son set free with his blood that made the new covenant is free indeed. But so often I'm still trapped even though the door is open because I don't understand this legal new legal covenant. And he's given us the Holy Spirit to be my advisor to show me what actions I should take to operate in this new covenant. I'm already past my time. Come on. Give me, give me, give me three more, five more minutes. Can you give me five more minutes? Maybe 10. Okay. And then if I say 10, that means that I take, I take a five from y'all extra. Okay. So 15. All right. So 10. So listen to this. Now here's the next part. I want to quickly go through this. Now, not only is he your legal advisor, but he is also a teacher. Remember, he told us this. That just like Jesus was rabbi or teacher, Holy Spirit is teacher as well. And he will be teaching us. Not only, listen, listen. Most of us understand that he will bring forth everything that Jesus said. But he's also going to teach. Let me go over here. He said another of equal quality. Did Jesus not teach? Then Holy Spirit will teach and he will bring back to remembrance everything that Jesus said. Why? Because what did Jesus do while he was here? He taught and he told us everything the father said. Amen. So it's the same quality. He's going to be doing this. And it's, it's, it's important for us as believers to understand that he's trying to teach us. Now, I want you to do this, but I want you to understand in this. I'm going to condense one more that Jesus taught in parables it says without parables he didn't teach what is a parable does anybody know what a parable is it's a story that indicates something spiritual but it's a natural example and not always do you get the understanding of it right like when he said for the soul went out to sow and he cast some seed onto stony ground and the birds came and ate it up 
But he cast some on rocky and because it had much soil, it sprang up quickly. And then the sun came out and burned it up. But then he cast some upon some some ground and it came up. But then the thorns and the bushes choked it out because it didn't have enough room to grow. But then he cast another seed and he cast it on good ground and it grew up into a harvest. Some 30, some 60 and some 100 fold. And then he walked off the stage, dropped the mic and walked off. Now, I don't know about you, but if he told me that story, I'd be like, "Okay, all right, man, let's go farm. (laughs) I wouldn't understand what he was talking about. And you wouldn't either if he hadn't behind the closed doors talked to the ones who said, hey, hey, hey. You know, I don't know what you was talking about. What does that mean? And we were privy to a conversation that he had with those who were his family. And he revealed what the parable was about. And that's how we knew. There are many things that these scriptures still have in parable form or in a form that we don't recognize or doesn't connect with us unless Holy Spirit begin to reveal to you. And if you're not allowing Holy Spirit to reveal, it's why you come to church and you sit and you huff and you puff when Pastor go long. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just being real. Because you won't, you're not getting what he's saying. And it's not because Pastor's not explaining it properly. Maybe some things I'm not, okay? I'll, I'll take some responsibility. But some of it's just because you won't allow Holy Spirit to reveal. And that's his job. Last thing. Oh, 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 one more thing on that. The next part of what he does, but when he reveals, he allows you to execute with power. Acts chapter one, verse eight. But ye shall receive. Anybody know? Power. Dunamis power. Explosive power. Active power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You'll be able to execute like Jesus did. Okay, last thing, and then I'll stop for today, okay? So that we can take communion. I'm doing good. I only took five from y'all. Okay. John 14, 26. Let me, let me get this real quick. Uh, 14, 26. And, and can we read on to... Uh, <clears throat> can we read... Uh, nah, we'll just read... 14, yeah, I need to do 16 too. Is that okay? 14, 26, and then we'll read 16, um, 5 through 16. Okay? 26 says this, but the comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, right? And bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I I have said unto you. So he teaches you and he reveals, right? Then 16, let's start in verse 5. Come on, last thing. Just want to show you this and then I promise I'm going to shut it down for the day and then we'll start back up next week. He says this in, in five, 16, five. But now I go my way to ask, uh, excuse me, excuse me. I go my way to him that sent me and none of you asketh me whither thou goest. But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you of the truth, the truth. 
it is best for you. That's what expedient means. Best for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But uh, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin, because they believe not on me of righteousness, because I go to the father and ye see, see me no more of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. Who does that sound just like? And that what Jesus said, I don't do anything of my own. I just do what the father does. Okay, keep going, keep going. And he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. All things that the father hath are mine. Therefore, I say unto you, he that uh, shall take of mine and shall show it unto you a little while and you shall not see me. And again, a little while and you shall see me because I go to the father. So what is he saying here? What is he saying to you? I want you to understand this about the Holy Spirit. His responsibility besides teaching us and revealing to us is to do something in the world. His job is even to unbelievers. Did you know that? See, most of us don't don't get that understanding of Holy Spirit. Did you know Holy Spirit has been dealing with you even since you've been an unbeliever? Some of you in here are unbelievers now. He's still dealing with you. He's the one who prompts you certain things and you call it. Something just told me I just oh, I just felt like I needed to not be there. He reproves the word reproved. Does anybody know what that means? See, that's one of the things that we struggle with in church. We don't know what the Bible words mean. So when we read them, we just lost and we miss all of that. Right. It's a struggle for us. That's why God sends you here. I'm supposed to be able to teach you that. Right. The word reprove means he gently reminds. It's not like he's standing on the corner and he's smacking them like this. Get your life right. (laughs) That is not what he's doing. He's gently reminding them. Hey, man, you know better than that. You know that you shouldn't treat. Well, let me not do it. Let me do it to the fictitious person. You know you shouldn't treat your wife like that. You know you shouldn't be yelling at her like that. You, you know, honey, that you shouldn't treat your husband like that. You know that you shouldn't treat your children like that. You know you shouldn't teach your coworker like that. And here he is reminding you that you know better. Because God said this, I will write my laws upon your heart. We don't need them on the walls, the Ten Commandments on the walls. We don't need those. They've already been written on your heart. And guess what they are? They're not even the Ten They love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. The the, the general key of what he's written is love. And the Holy Spirit is reminding and so often we wonder why we feel so guilty when when there are believers that are out that are talking with unbelievers and they're not crushing them and smacking them over the head, but loving them right where they are. You know why? Because Holy Spirit was dealing with them to do that. And Holy Spirit's dealing with them as they talked. You know, I was talking to somebody, I won't say who it was, but they were telling me how uh, they were sitting down in a meeting. And they were sitting there with the person that they came early with. And 
the person that was there wasn't a believer and, and they were there. And the person just all of a sudden started talking about God. Set for a business meeting, but then started talking about God. And so the person who did know Jesus had to correct some of their thinking. And they were so t- they were talking about the person who was uh, who was not the believer was talking about, you know, what the church always judging. And, you know, the person says, said, no, that's your own heart judging you. It, it, it's not it's not the church. It's your own heart because, you know. That you're wrong. You know it. Did you ever know why people like to do their dirt in the dark? That's why that's why we do it in the dark. Because we're trying to hide because we already know it's wrong. It's something about being. I, I tell you this. I'm a side note. Man, I'm taking. OK, I'm really going to take you out 15. I'm sorry. OK, but it's something about. Listen, it's something about being out late at night. That causes you to want to act crazy. Anybody ever felt that besides me? When you out late, man, it just wants you. You just feel like you got to do something crazy. Jump out the car. You used to do this guy. Stop light, run around the car just for no reason. Why? That's just dumb. Just dumb, but we did it. He wants to remind, gently remind the world of sin. But he does something else. And it says here of righteousness because he goes to his father. His job is to keep reminding you that no matter what, when you have received Jesus, you're in right standing with God. He keeps reminding you that even when you feel worthless and how many here have ever felt worthless, even though you're a believer, man, I can raise my hand twice. Sometimes I just be like, man, why did I say that? Why did I do that? I can't believe it. And I feel so worthless. And I feel like God's just taking his anointing from me. And God's saying, I love you. I want you to remember, I'm not condemning you. That's the enemy. That's your own heart. I love you. I have poured out all my wrath on Jesus. I will never be angry with you again. See, if we get a hold of that, it'll change how we feel. I will never be angry with you again. I'll always remind you that I love you and my love will lead you out of where you are into where I need you to be. Amen. Last thing of judgment of judgment, not because you're judged, but because Satan has been judged. When Jesus poured out his blood perfectly from being perfect without sin and he poured out his blood. It strips Satan of every authority that he had and judged him then. And at the end of it all, he'll be bound up, cast into the pit. And when he comes out of the pit, he'll be put into the lake of fire along with hell. There won't be any more hell. There'll just be the lake of fire. He's not of judgment for you, but for the enemy. Remember that. I'm going to stop here. This guys, we just we just scratching the surface. We got to go deeper about the Holy Ghost, because he if we if if this church will, will gain real knowledge of who he is, then we'll operate from power. 
Amen? And can I tell you something? The world's looking for that. The world's looking for that. They're, they're, they're hungry because the thing that they have in their heart that's been written there by God, they're trying to fill. And they're filling it with every other, other thing. They're looking, for, they're looking for the spirit of God in some way and they're grasping at all straws. And if we'll be willing to be led by the spirit, then we'll know the things to say, how to respond, how to meet people where they are in order to get past their defenses that they have up about the church. Because the church, can I tell you something? Can I, can I just be real? We family here, man. Can I just be real? The church has been failing. Because we've been so religious for so long. Religion is man's attempt to get to God. It's not relational. And we failed. And that's why we stand on our soapboxes and we point our fingers at people, especially standing outside of abortion clinics and trying to blow them up. And I know that that's not real. The real church. That's crazy, folks. But the church still stands by idly by in that. And we still got picket signs up and we're marching around those things because we hate it. When instead of, you know what, the reason why they're there is because they're lost and they're hurting. Why not go and reach out in love? And meet them where they are and say, man, I don't know what you just went through, but I'm sorry for you. And I'm here for you. Can I help you? How can I love you through what you just did that you have no clue is going to affect you for a long time? But instead, we're blowing them up. We're screaming at them. How can you do it? You baby killer. You're not. Well, listen, listen, let me just say this. And I know this is going to sound bad like pastor is, has a callous heart. But did you know that those babies that die go immediately to heaven? OK, OK. So even though they're gone and that was a life that was taken and that's not what we want. Let me make it clear. So nobody talking about pastor want abortion. I'm not saying that. I'm simply saying that even though those people are going to do it, because if they don't go to these clinics, they're going to go to the butcher down the street and they're going to still get it done. But let's meet them where they are and love them because we listen. For God so loved the world, he gave love first, even when we didn't want to, even when we didn't want it, even when we didn't deserve it. He gave it first. Let's do the same for them right where they are. Guess what? Let's do the same thing for the homosexual community. Let's do the same thing for all the drug addict community. Let's do the same thing for all these communities. Let's love them. Genuine love. Real love. Let's take the paracletus with us so that they can see. Can we do that? That's the heart of God. And if, if you're cringing from what I'm saying, you, you, you've fallen into a pharisaical category because the Pharisees were the ones who was talking about how can he stand with the harlots talking about Jesus? If he only knew what that woman had done, he wouldn't let her do that. Isn't that what they said? So if you're cringing about this, maybe you ought to check your heart. Figure out where you've been and get connected to the father again. Right. Hey, man, I, I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to go that much longer, but I said I was going to be short this week and I went longer. This is what I want to say that is to, to end it all. Let us choose to love and allow Holy Spirit, the Paracletos, the one who is the same of equal quality to stand with us. To reveal to us. Amen. Now what I want us to do. What I want us to do. 